Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. Happy New Year, everyone. Today is Sunday, January 2nd, 2022. Back in the new year, Full 40. Gotta love it. Rob, what are you drinking this morning? I've got a great Starbucks coffee. I was trying to get ambitious, and I was like, I'm going to get the Wood Reserve back out. But frankly, 930 just got here way sooner than I thought, and I couldn't get my head around it. So alas, I've just got the regular coffee. Do you Uh, have any alcohol in your presence or are you going coffee as well? I am going coffee as well. I have a I have a mug of homemade Dunkin' Donuts coffee. If you know me, you know, I'm a big Dunkin' Donuts guy just waiting on Dunkin' Donuts to pay me for that advertisement. Yeah, Um, I was thinking about this before we started the pod and I was like, this could mean my, the fact that I had just coffee today could mean that either we're getting old or we're just shifting to recording to earlier times, which may also be a reflection of we're getting old, or I just kind of gave up on drinking alcohol in the morning. But all three of those things, I think, generally indicate that we're getting old. But anyway, here we are. It's a new year, 2022. Let's go. We're excited. Energy levels high. Big win yesterday. Let's fucking get into it. I love it. I love it. Boom, just, to, just to hit the alcohol point, I... I think I made up for the alcohol for this podcast on like the last two weeks. Like I, I was, I hosted Christmas for my family. So like between hosting Christmas and prepping Christmas, there's wine in the food. So you got to drink the wine that you put in the food that's left over. So I had to have that. And then like, you know, every other day thereafter, it's just, okay, well, I might as well drink. So then it's, it's, it's a tough life you lead. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The things we do. Yeah. So I didn't even drink watching the Seton Hall game yesterday, which now I'm thinking to myself, do I now have to not drink any games during 2022 until we Mm. lose? Because we won yesterday and we look great. So the only thing I had was a water and a Diet Coke. So maybe the answer to the question is, Chris, don't drink during Villanova games and we'll always win. It's not weird if it works. It's not weird if it works. So let's dive right into that. Villanova picks up a monumental away victory against Seton Hall. They were down a couple players, but we were down Caleb. So I wouldn't say it was a dead wash, but but it was a tightly contested game. Seton Hall played well. The fans were into it. It was what you'd expect out of this new Seton Hall-Villanova rivalry that has come to become the best games of the Big East conference schedule. Um, these are the games that you circle on your calendar. You would have thought maybe that Georgetown would have been involved in that by some stretch of the imagination, but just not the case anymore. Maybe with UConn coming in, that change, that dynamic changes a little bit. But this game was a circle game, January 1st in Newark, crowd packed on CBS, the mothership, Rafteries on the call. Oh, mothership. Villanova does everything they possibly can. Seton Hall does everything they possibly can to keep it close. Villanova's clutch down the stretch hits all the free throws in that final minute, despite fouling randomly to oh keep God. terrible involved in the last minute. But nevertheless, we prevailed. Um, and you got to love it. We are now at three ranked wins 
And that's one of, we're only like one of like five to 10 teams, I think, that have actually three ranked wins on the season. So despite missing the three big ones, the three big opportunities, we have done our job against those games, the teams ranked 10 to 25. So that's nothing to shit on. And so, and so we'll take it so far. And I will say that I am looking, I think things are looking up right now in Nova Nation. What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, we, we did our job again, as you caveated from teams ranked 10 to 25. That doesn't really give you all that much optimism from where we we're talking about at the beginning of the season, which was a final four run, yada, yada, yada. Yes, obviously trending in the right direction. I'm still a little bit skeptical, but hey, I will take a win and I will certainly take a win against Seton Hall at home, what Trenton makes the world takes. Um, one of my favorite sayings. That's about Miles Powell. I know, but Newark, Miles Powell's so an iconic Seton Hall player. So he just he just never leaves. So Trenton makes the world takes. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's not a bridge. It's terrible. Um, anyway, um, look, it's a good win. It's a win with an asterisk in my mind. Like you mentioned, couple players out on their side. Two of their starters are out. Obviously, our sixth man is out. Not quite an even wash, as you alluded to. There are also still a lot of things that kind of give me pause about this team. Mm -hmm. There are some things I liked, some things I didn't like. Things I liked, yes, we saw some more players. Jay was forced to play other players. We saw some Brian Anton. We saw some Jordan Longino. Although (laughs) the minutes we saw from Jordan Longino weren't very good. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but some of the other things that I didn't like, the offense still leaves a lot to be desired in my mind. Yeah, we eked out a win, but to me, I don't know, these kind of grinded out wins and like it was okay early on. I'd like to see things clicking a little bit more. So look, headline, I'll take it. I, I'm glad that we are now two and one in the Big East. It's certainly better than being one and two, but still a lot of work to do and a lot of confidence building on my end to make me feel good about this team as we start to head into February and March. Look, I agree with a lot of your points and we said it from the jump. I don't think, you know, I think it's fair to say that it was a little bit of an asterisk on this one, but that Seton Hall team plays hard. They are still very good. I thought they got very good minutes out of their big man who eventually fouled out. I want to talk for a second. Them, you know, use that foul out to talk about the refereeing. Someone's got to give a heads up to these officials that, that like, if teams are down players due to COVID, like let them fucking play. Like, yeah, a, like, like we had, I, it was like five foul outs in this game. Like get, get your whistle out of your goddamn mouth. Okay. And let the players play because you can't have guys fouling out when teams are down players. So I thought that took a little bit out of the, the air out of the game in the last five minutes when players left and right are fouling out. There was a good, strong, physical, big East game. It wasn't chippy. I don't think that I don't see the players getting into one another. It wasn't like the refs needed to control the atmosphere of the game. It was hard fought, but it was under control. And yeah. Villanova and Seton Hall are both pretty good teams at playing defense without fouling physical, tough defense, but not foul happy defense. And I thought there were calls both ways that were garbage. I think, you know, as a Villanova fan, I'm biased. I thought that there were some calls that kind of went our way, uh, sorry, went against us in, in, a, in a couple sequences of events. Um, but overall, I thought it was just, I thought that was just really bad. I think they got to, somehow they got to send a memo to the, to the officials to say, hey, 
players, people are down players. The, the players that are on the court have to finish the game. Like, yeah, take it a little bit easy on that. I was like, that was just one little thing. If you want to talk about asterisks, that was one little thing that to me took a little bit out of the wind out of the sails was just the foul happiness of, uh, of the referees yesterday. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about that, but it's a fair one, but I think it, it segues into a point I wanted to talk about, which was kind of closing out the game. Like it's been a theme for us throughout this year of, Hey, we can't close out the game. And this is another one that yes, in the final minute, you mentioned we made all of our free throws, which was amazing. Incredibly clutch. Obviously hadn't seen us really do that this year. And it was so nice. And it yeah. was multiple players. It, it was, was multiple players. It was everybody. Yeah. It was Antoine, it was Slater, it was whoever was at the line basically was getting it done. But I will say there was a point, I don't know whether it was like seven minutes, eight minutes left in the game, something like that. We had a possession chance to push the lead to double digits. And I think we either turned it over or missed the shot. They came down, quickly made a shot, went on a little bit run, and the lead got cut down to like two or three or something like that. And that to me was just symptomatic of kind of what we've seen all season too. So, you know, as I think about what this means for us and where this team is, there's still like, that's still one of the big things. Can we close out a game? Can we keep the energy level up? Obviously as the players are, we're going to be short staffed. We're going to continue to be, I'm sure other people are going to get COVID, like call it what it is. People are just going to get sick because it's winter anyway. Like we're going to have to have that energy level up and be able to close teams out. We, we weren't necessarily able to do that to the extent that I would like us to be able to. Yes making the free throws at the end is awesome, but I'd love to see us just slam the door and be like, yeah, that's a 10 point win. No problem. Yeah. Look, I, you've raised a good point. I thought the turn, I thought we were sloppy in the first half with the ball. I think we tightened it up in the second half. I had to check the box score to see if that's accurate. It felt like we were tighter in the second half with the basketball. Um, oh yeah. First half was an absolute disaster. Yeah. And oh, then, but wow. then, but then the, but then the, the boneheaded plays late in the game, we're, we're, we're really, we're really annoying. And that's not the type of things that you expect to see. Like Antoine flew in. I kind of respect the aggressiveness, but at the same time, like, sorry, he's also been with the program for a few years. Like you have to have a better sense of game awareness than, than that. Um, And then, and then Colin, like I, I thought in the moment I could understand Colin's play a little bit more terrible no way but, terrible. but i uh but actually i yeah i'm, I'm with you i think that was I, I think that was really bad like you can't be a fifth year senior guy like colin gillespie who quote unquote never makes mistakes and then and then make that error like it was an error of aggression which i i'm okay with errors of aggression more than i'm error um i'm okay with errors of of like, I don't know, being wimpy. I don't know. <laughs> like, but yeah. like, like errors of non-aggression. Like, yeah. Non-passiveness. Yeah. Right. Right. But like, so, so I can at least get that a little bit. And I don't think Colin even needs to be coached on that point. I think he immediately understood what he did wrong. Yeah, totally. Um, but that kept Seton Hall in it. They didn't take time. Didn't expire off the clock. They were able to get to the line and shoot free throws. Um, and so it kind of kept them a little bit in it. I didn't ever think that we weren't going to win during that stretch, but like, I mean, you saw in the Marquette Creighton game that like all of a sudden you could have a uh, you could have a, a three pointer go in and boom, like you thought you had the game in hand and and then all of a sudden you're playing in overtime. So, yeah, I, look, it didn't matter. So I'm willing to let bygones be bygones um, there and kind of forget it and, and move on, because I don't think that that's typical of our team and Villanova basketball. Um Let's talk a little bit about the rotation. I wanted to yeah. we, we dove into that. I wanted to talk a little about that a little bit more. The 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 benefit of of the of the Caleb 
COVID situation, if you will, is that Jay did have to bring more guys in. And we did see Antoine be the first guy off, uh, off yeah. the bench. I thought he did pretty well with those minutes. Jay came into the game and said, Antoine's playing the best he's ever played in practice. And he's as healthy as he's ever been with the program, he's which might not be saying much, played. but yeah, like, say, whatever. All, all 10 minutes he's played his whole career. I liked what he was doing yesterday. I thought that he added value defensively in particular, because he just is so quick on his feet. Yeah. Um, and like his first foul, he got, he, he basically was, someone was trying to break him down off the dribble and he stayed way in front of him. The guy, you know, uh, took a, um, a step back, um, mid-range jumper and he just fouled him because he was too, he was actually with him too much. (laughs) I was going to say he's a little too quick. There were a couple of times he like almost like overran a play because he was, he's just like so quick to get to the other side and you're like, Oh no, he just ran by you. So as opposed to what we are used to seeing. Oh my God. So Um, true. So so like you and I talked about this, you need guys who kind of change the game, change the speed of the game can be a different look. Antoine is that different look. Like he didn't hit shots yesterday, but I thought, I thought he took good threes in rhythm, just missed them. Yeah. Uh, I really like it. And he made his free throws by and large. So I really like, I think he only missed one out of like five or six or something like that. So I really liked his contribution yesterday. Uh, when we get Caleb back from COVID, which I heard he's not doing terribly at all. Like so when we get Caleb back from COVID, like I can see Antoine kind of hitting the seventh man um, role. He definitely was ahead of Chris Archidiacono, which I think is positive. <laughs> I still, don't, I still, sorry, quick pause on this. Yeah. I still don't understand why, when we have a primary ball handler in there, be it Justin or Colin, why Chris Arch is playing like any minutes ahead of Antoine? There are a couple situations yesterday where you had either Colin or Justin out there acting as the point guard, and then you had Chris Arch and you had Antoine on the bench. And I'm like, I don't get it. Defensively, Antoine's way better. You're not looking for somebody to hold the ball. You're looking for somebody to create a little bit and give you something dynamic. Chris Arch is not a good three-point shooter this year. He's not as good defensively. I don't know what we're doing. So I want to see, I'm with you. I want to see more of Antoine. And I still think we've got some work to do here. I agree with you. But I I saw enough of Antoine yesterday in this game to to, to believe that Jay is, has the intent of putting him ahead of Arch and Diacono in the, in the depth chart, which is positive. You, with Chris Arch and Diacono, you have a smaller range of floor to ceiling versus versus. Antoine, who in theory has a much higher ceiling, but also has a lower floor. If, if, if this is in Jay's head, right? Like yeah, this yeah. is what I think he's thinking, right? So I, I think give Antoine more playing time, more, more time to develop more and give Jay more time to, to watch him in game. And I think what you'll see is Antoine clearly step ahead of Chris Arch in the rotation. Also foul trouble played a factor yesterday. Once Caleb gets back, and you have that extra guy who can play at the guard position, then I don't think you're going to see much Archidiacono. I think Chris Archidiacono is going to be just a foul trouble kind of, you know, stop gap. Can we talk uh, about foul trouble and Jordan Longino? Uh, yeah, Jordan Longino. Hi- hyper-efficient. Hyper-efficient yeah, fouler um, <laughs> yesterday. I, look, he's going to make mistakes. And I think our point earlier in the season was let's play the freshman because let's let him make those mistakes then, yeah, right? as opposed totally. to now where Jay kind of had to be forced to play Longino. Now, that being said, he played. I don't think that's the end of Longino's time playing this season. I do think that the intent is to continue to bring him on. I, hope so. I am I am 
can't believe that we're sitting here and Seton Hall was the first game where he got meaningful time and minutes. I can't understand it. It's going to be a narrative all season. Why yeah. didn't Jay bring these guys along in the, in the um, earlier part of the season more, but nevertheless, here we are. At least he's playing them now. I can respect that. It did seem like, look, we played eight guys yesterday, despite being down a COVID, uh, a COVID case. So, so I respect that if Jay's, um, if Jay's lineup stretches nine deep, then, then like I'm pretty good with that. The only issue that I have is still no big man backup. Yeah. But we have to talk about Eric Dixon, who made, in my mind, the Shaq fit man play of the week. It was a sequence on one offensive possession. Oh. He got three offensive rebounds, uh, maybe two technically, and a tap out. Yeah. Um, and then they, they rewarded that. He, he set a pick. He, he rolled, dove, dove to the cup, rolled to the cup. They got him the pass, and he flushed it home. Even Rafter, he called it out. He goes, they, he deserved that. He deserved that play for all his uh, for all his toughness underneath. We did great rebounding the ball yesterday in general. It was definitely encouraging. Sorry, sorry, we, big men. It's it, it's definitely. I think it's a check fit man play of the week. I think you're right. It's a non traditional check fit man play of the week. I will say, Eric barely made that dunk. Yeah. Like he got his wide open look, and I was like, oh, he, he barely got up for that one. So we got to work on the hops a little bit, but I'll give him the nod for it. He jumped you. like. 7,000 times on that possession. Alone. I'm just, guy I'm a just break. saying. I'm just Give saying. Give the guy a break, Rob. Like, it's... Uh, yeah, yeah. Get a little higher. Get a little higher. From One the of the five, questions... The five foot seven guy here. Get a little higher, you know. <laughs> One of the questions that we had coming into the season, and we talked about this a bunch of times, is will Eric Dixon play a, a significant role on this team? And the answer is emphatically yes. Like, yes. like okay. I asked the question, will he be better than uh, Will Sheridan was on the 06 Elite Eight team? And the answer is yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So so Eric Dixon is adding meaningful value every single time he steps on the court at this point. And I really love his contribution. I, I, I At this point, I'm not w- ready to say that the, um, the down low situation is, the center situation is totally um, under wraps and, and solid like it was in 16 and 18, but I will say that it is very strong. And I think this is, and he's doing a very fine job um, uh, replacing Jermaine, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl's minutes. Um, yeah. yeah it's, and to be clear, it's, we're not saying it's a one-to-one replacement, but he is definitely providing more value than I think we were, we were even hoping for, right. which is really cool. Right. Um, can we talk a little bit about our shooting too? This is something that, I put it in, as I was doing our prep for this, I put it in our narrative bucket. And narrative is stuff we've typically talked about a bunch of a bunch of times throughout the season. We haven't talked about this, but as I started looking at the numbers, it's something that's presented itself throughout this season. And the fact of the matter is, we're not a great three-point shooting team this year. If you look at our overall average, we're shooting 35% on the year, but that's heavily, heavily impacted by how we started out. We started out the year shooting 53, 46, 47, 33, 38, 35% in our first six games there. So like good, right? Kind of typical Villanova. Mm-hmm. Last like seven games or so, we've shot 32, 52, 26, 22, 17, 29, and 30% from three. So I mentioned this earlier, like the shooting is an issue with this team. And I that's one of the things I was a little bit, you know, I'm caveating a little bit with this win. Like, okay, yeah, we, we have a grounded out win, but the offense still isn't clicking. Like to me, this is a bit of a, a bit of a point that I want to keep an eye on. 
Yeah. So a couple things here. I, I think some of this has to do with stylist, our style. I don't think we're a worse shooting team. We have good shooters on this team. Colin is a Colin's a good shooter. Justin Moore's a good shooter. Samuel's a hit or miss. Obviously, he's going to get better. Slater showed that he can be a better shooter. Antoine's a good a, a good shooter once he'll get going. Daniels is a good shooter. So and Dixon has been shown to just be able to step out and be able to hit a three uh, from time to time. So I, this team has good shooters on the team. I agree. They're not shooting well. Like that, that that's not debatable. That's a fact. Um, but, but I think we are seeing teams come way out on us and heavily defend the three point line. And we need to keep doing more of what we did yesterday on that one play that we called out as a Shaq bit man play a little bit more pick and roll. Cause these guys are coming way out on us, set a pick, roll the guy, uh, roll the screener. And you do a lot more of that to make teams pay, to make teams respect that your ability to go get a two. And I thought we did a great job yesterday getting to the bucket. I thought Samuels pushed the issue. I thought Slater pushed the issue. I thought, I thought um, Gillespie and Moore all pushed the issue yesterday in terms of getting to the cup. So I, I, I like that. And I think we need to do more of that. Once we show teams that we are willing to do that more as opposed to shooting 53s, yes. like then what will happen is teams will have to sag back off of the three-point line. That'll open up a game for more three-point shooting. More will go in. Couple that with the fact that we're in a slump, team slump right now. Once we come out of that slump, I expect us to hit to do really well. And I would prefer if we come out of the slump sometime in like mid-February. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, was... go, just go on a torrid pace. Um um, so, so I would really appreciate if we can do that. So if we can shoot poorly and still win games now, then shoot hot later and win the national championship. Like we did in 2016. Yeah. Great. That'd be great. That'd be Love terrific. I mean, so, so please, Jay, please, Jay, can you coach that? That'd be awesome. Yeah. So, coach the team you. to stay in a slump and still win games. Amazing. Amazing. Um, should we talk real briefly about Slater? Uh, Cause I know you mentioned he was forcing the issue. We've been, I've personally been down on Slater a bit. I'm still a little bit down on Slater, but I will say he had a great game yesterday, 17 points, eight, eight rebounds. Like he definitely showed up. We've been knocking him for not coming up in big games. He was clutch, made free throws down the stretch. Like, so I will say hat tip to our man, Mr. Slater. Yeah. And everyone listening, Rob just tipped his cap, which he is wearing. Or you can watch us on YouTube, find us on YouTube, Spotify and rate us and subscribe on Spotify. Fair. There you go. Um, so what was I going to say? Oh, what's your alpha dog of the week then? Because I thought Slater played really well. And I mean, at the end of the game there, Raftery was talking. He said he said he thought Slater was the best player on Nova that game. Are you just going, are you defaulting to Colin? You know, I don't know. I guess I'll give it, I guess I'll give a nod to Slater, um, especially because because he has been a little bit slumpy, uh, slumpy. It's a term. Slumpy. He's a little slumpy. A little slumpy. <laughs> Slater. Slater slumpy. Slater slumpy. Uh, I think I'll give it. I guess I'll give it to Slater. But I can't say anybody really like knocked my socks off yesterday. I didn't feel like anybody was taking over the game. Colin was our leading scorer, but I guess Slater coming out of coming out of his slumpiness a little bit, we'll, we'll give my slight nod there. I don't know. Who do you got? <sighs> it's tough. I mean, look, Gillespie was our leading scorer, 50% from deep. He was clutched down the stretch. He made that stupid foul, which kind of like that just left a bad taste in my mouth. But yeah. hard to not pick Gillespie from the points perspective. I'm um, in the shooting perspective. 
to me, it's actually between Slater and Samuels. Um, because of Dude, the work Sam, that Samuels is three for ten. You can't you can't but, win but, alpha dog. You no, 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 no. You second. can't win alpha dog shooting three for ten. That's terrible. Hold on a second, though. He had a double double, 11, 11 and eleven, and and that was the difference of the game. Dude, yesterday the rebounding shoot, was the difference of the ten, game. You shoot ten shots and you get yesterday the rebounding was the difference on. in the game. The deep the difference in the game was rebounding. Period. Period. That was the difference. That was how we beat Seton Hall yesterday. Was rebounding Chris, the basketball. Chris, terrible take, Velada here. I am start. going to end up going with Slater because he also contributed significantly to the rebounding effort. Seven boards. Um, three or four on the offensive end. Um, and his defense was excellent. He drove it to the cup. I, I so, and he had 17 points. It was a second leading score on the team. I am going with Slater, but rebounding was a difference in that game. You can't make any two uh, mistakes about it. That was clearly next the- time, next week, you're going to give it to Longino because he tries hard on defense. Doesn't matter that he picked up a bunch of fouls and didn't score any points. That's yeah. that's where we're going with this. No, I'm not. That's not, not where I'm going. Because it's not rewarding mediocrity here. Okay, okay, Rob. Um, Chris, mediocre Bellotti. I, like. <laughs> I did forget to mention two Shaq fit candidates. I, I we took I took Eric Dixon on that, but two other candidates were Slater started the game with a massive rack attack, which I thought mm. was great, um, and then and then. Uh, Moore's block at the end of the game was 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 a was a terrific play. So mm, so yeah. those are the two oh, other yeah. Moore's block. Candidates. Moore's block was really good. So. I, I gave it to Dixon because I just thought that the sequence was incredible. Um, but those are two other plays that I'll just call out. Um, and then the pass the fucking ball award of the week. Um, I actually already called this out. I'm giving it to the referees. Pass the ball, take your whistle out of your goddamn mouth, and let the players play these games especially while COVID um, restricted. I'm going with Longino. Um, I can't ignore that stat line. Six minutes, four personal fouls. We've been calling your name all year. I want to see more Longino, but that is not the way. Oh, he also had a turnover to boot. That is not the way to earn more minutes. Um, Respect the effort, but just got to be smarter. Yep. All right. Um, should we talk about, should we talk about the impact COVID's going to have on this real quick? I think, yeah, I think it's so, remiss not to, not to touch on yeah, it. Yeah, we can't, we have to touch on it. So we moved our podcast. We were going to do one after the, or before or after the temple game, but we learned pretty early on last week that the temple game got canceled because of COVID issues within the temple program. It's coming back. I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast cares enough about college basketball to see that COVID has canceled a litany of games across the country. Um, that really sucks, uh, to be honest, but, but you know, that's going to happen. So we are now in a situation where this is going to continue to happen. We did see after our podcast with Fanta a couple, uh, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, we did see that, uh, that COVID, uh, that they changed their COVID policy in the Big East. So no longer are forfeits happening. That's a very positive development. Totally. And they were going to make effort to reschedule the games, which is also a positive development. So we could see circumstances play out. They put rules around it, but we could see circumstances play out where Villanova is playing almost every other night. I don't think you can play more than four, three or four times in a given, three times in a given week. Um, I think the rules are you can't have back-to-backs and you can't play more than three times in a week. Um, but you could basically see Villanova play like almost every other night, um, in a, in a given, in a given week sometimes. So 
look out Ooh, for that. Ooh. That might happen. The Temple game, they said that they're going to try and reschedule it. There is one week where we have no uh, weekday game. It's February 22nd. We play a team. And March 1st, we play a team. So there's a so there's a seven-day stretch there where we have no game. So the likeliest place for that Temple game to fall, assuming none of our rest of our Big East schedule comes by, which is a massive assumption, is that late February stretch there where we could sneak in an additional game where we have a bye um, in the mid- midweek part of that week. So that's the one to look out for if we're going to end up rescheduling a Temple game. It might also not happen. So our non-conference slate might be over. Uh, but we also have to talk, obviously, Rob, about, about the Big East and kind of what happened um, across the Big East because UConn's been down for a while. Yeah, uh, yeah. UConn Xavier got canceled. A few other games got canceled as well, too. I mean, like you said, this isn't, this isn't going away. I will say it's obviously not going away completely. I'm hoping, and again, take our take our Villanova podcast for what it's worth. But you know, based on how quickly these, you know, this is spiked, hopefully it burns out pretty quickly. So you know, ideally, you're going to see more cancellations probably in the next few weeks, and then maybe once you get into mid February, stuff starts to normalize a little bit. But like, this is going to be what it's going to be. Like, so get used to it. Games are going to get canceled. Maybe they'll get rescheduled. Maybe they won't get rescheduled. We're just going to have to deal with it. I'm hoping, though, by, you know, come tournament time, this is going to be less of an issue and we'll either, you know, things change so quickly. I don't know if policies are going to change where you don't necessarily have to have players sit out or they shorten the window in which players have to sit out. We've already seen that um, certainly in the NBA and the NFL um, and just general life as well. People being told to quarantine less, the disease seems less severe. So ideally, all of these things come together so that, it has less of an impact on the season and less of an impact on the tournament. In my mind, I don't, I, I ideally it shouldn't have too much of an impact. It seems to be, especially for a lot of these athletes to have very little impact at all. So, you know, we'll see how that shakes out, but just kind of get used to it. There's going to be a little bit of a little bit more unpredictability, which we're kind of getting used to the unpredictability at this point. Yeah. I mean, look, they said, they said that a lot of programs are, are moving to not testing asymptomatic players who have been vaccinated yeah um, and a lot of programs because of this latest surge have moved to make sure that all their players get fully vaccinated if they weren't already ours already were because of villanova's requirements um and then boosted as well so i think that you're going to see more players take the booster more players are going to naturally get covid so there'll be a little bit more of that um you know immunity passed on through actually getting the virus um, so I'm actually hopeful that we'll see a lot less cancellations come February. Uh, I think that this is the, the, what you said is right. The quick spike up is going to lead to a quick spike down. That's what we've been seeing across the other countries. Um, so I think that by the end of January, we're actually kind of out of this. Um, and then, and then what you're going to happen is they're going to make some effort to reschedule. I think you're going to see a lot of games in February, um, leading up to uh, the conference tournaments. And then, and then from there, um, we'll be in March. I don't think that we're going to have a big issue uh, come March, an, uh, absent another more even highly spreadable variant than Omicron. So yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty hopeful. I don't think this is a redo of last season where it was just kind of like every week, it was like half the games felt like they were canceled. Yeah. Um, and teams ended the season with like 20 games total or 15 games total. So I think you're going to see us play most of our schedule. I expect to get like 
80% of our conference schedule in. And that's pretty good in my opinion. So, yeah, totally. All right. So we move it along. Um, it is new year's. Uh, we talked about doing some new year's resolutions. I don't know if you have any, but we, I think we, we should do a few for the team because there's definitely a few things to improve on. Yeah. Look, my new year's resolution just comes down to losing weight. I have to do that. We have, uh, our buddy's wedding come, uh, come, uh, and bachelor party come March and in April. So I'm going to have to, uh, get into shape there. Uh, but, uh, that being said, my new year's resolution for the team is, I, I mean, Caleb, come on, man, like stop getting COVID. Like, <laughs> like, like, I don't know what you got to do to just like, stop. just like, I realize that like everyone's getting COVID right now, but like, stop. <laughs> don't maybe, get COVID anymore. Maybe if he takes one for the team, he'll get COVID like a third time and then it'll protect somebody else from the team. I think that's how this works. He can just absorb it for the whole team. Yeah, I'm Caleb's pretty sure just taking all the COVID hits on this squad. Pretty sure how that I'm pretty sure that's how this but works. But the good news sure. is the good news there though is that this isn't a circumstance where Caleb was around everyone else. Um so so I believe what they said was Caleb got it from his family at Christmas. Mm. That he's feeling fine overall. Um and that they, he got it from his family at Christmas and they tested him before he got back with the team and he tested uh, positive. So they basically isolated him from the team for the time being. That's not great for him, and like, but it's good for the team in that I don't think that Caleb is bringing it to the team, so to speak. So he's not passing the fucking COVID. Not, he's not passing the fucking COVID. All right. I got a resolution for Justin and it is for Justin to introduce his barber and beard stylist, whoever, to the rest of the team. Justin Moore has had a great hair and beard transformation throughout the season. He started off with, I don't even know what it was, like some disaster of like a beard outline to start the year. And then he trimmed that down, cleaned it up a little bit, got a bit shorter. And then he came back from the new year with the blonde hair and almost a clean shaven look. It's totally working for me. I want to see that same style applied across the team. Justin Moore, you are doing it right. I am here for the looks. Trajectory, straight on up, baby. To the moon, let's go. Get everybody else on board. So that's that's mine for Justin. Keep that style. Game Nobody going. else would know this, but Rob has been pushing a facial hair slash hair segment in general I have. I have. on this podcast all season long, and I've resisted it until this point. But we're gonna let Rob slip this one in. Um, so there's nothing I can do about I that. I mean, you can't you can't ignore when Justin comes in with bleached blonde hair. Like that's that's pretty legit. That's pretty legit. It's um, a, it's, it's a statement. I'm here for it. All right, all right. Uh, you know what? Uh, there's mixed reviews on uh, on Justin's hair uh, on the on the on the Villanova Twitter sphere. That being said, I don't necessarily put a lot of stock in that. The Villanova, uh, Villanova alum and Twitter. I, I was going to say, are we is, any is, credence to style from Villanova alums? Yeah, please? notedly stodgy, notedly stodgy, like, terrible. Fanbase. So, terrible. so as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to put a lot of stock there. That being said, I thought it looked good, so I liked it. I'm on board with you on that front. Yeah. Um, look. I think this is kind of an obvious one. I think we just want Jay to resolve to play more of the freshmen. Just, just do that. Just play them more. Trey Patterson, Nana and Joku. Who, who's that? Trey Patterson. Play what? those guys, man. Like, like you got to get, you got to have a little bit of that height, a little bit about that four or five position. Let's get a little bit more four or five depth. That would be good. Make Eric Dixon a better basketball player in the minutes that he's in. So, come on. I think, I think Jay only counts the three. 
Yeah. That's all he does. Look, um, I, I got to say, though, if Jay can hold the line in an eight-man rotation or an eight-and-a-half-man rotation, I, I, I'm not going to complain too much more. i just love to see him get a little bit more of the bigs in. I realize that he did play Antoine and Longino yesterday, and we're still complaining. Well, too bad. I'm going to complain. My job is to complain. Your, your, our job, 100%, is to complain. All right, last one I'll finish off on. I mentioned it earlier. Eric Dixon, resolution to do some more box jumps. I need to see a little bit more vertical leaping ability from our big man. I love what he's bringing to the table. Every single game, the hustle is there. But, man, you got to finish a little stronger when you get those open looks. So you can guarantee the Shaq fit man play of the week. I cannot have this be a debate, and I need to see some more hops. Uh, he's just a mountain of a man. Mountains don't notoriously jump. Mountains don't notoriously jump. So, you know, I just, I just think that there's a lot to push off the ground there. (laughs) You're not, you're not wrong. It's like an Iron Man. Like Iron Man was like light and, you know, fit, fit, uh, foot on his feet. Fleet. What am I trying to say? What's the word there? I have no idea. Fleet footed, whatever it is. And then the Iron Monger was this massive guy who could barely get off the ground. So I I think that's... Eric Dixon is the Iron Monger. Okay, fair enough. Hey, hey, can I producer's note here for New Year's resolutions? Yes. So I checked with the Constitution, Bill of Rights everywhere. There's actually no rules saying your resolution has to be positive. Um, So listeners, users, viewers, even players on the team, it can be negative. You can opt to be worse. Um, and I feel like that's not made clear to us as citizens. So I needed just needed to get that out there um, just for everybody. Does anyone just, need to be worse at anything? You're allowed to. That's the, it's the freedom. So like, I personally am going to be worse at almost everything I do this year. Um, and I'm setting that up now, January 2nd. I just I appreciate bold, bold that proclamation. I, I appreciate I, that, Brian. If you could maybe not edit the podcast worse, that'd be great. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but we'll other see. than that, I, we'll I'm, I'm supportive. Interesting take, Brian. Interesting take. Who should resolve to be worse? On the basketball team, I'm hoping nobody, but maybe Jay Wright will coach worse in his head, and that will be mm. bench. Maybe we won't just shoot three-pointers all the time. Maybe you'll get a lot of points in the paint. I like that. I like, I like that. it. I like Psychology it. Psychology is incredible. Yeah. Mind games. Mind yeah. games. Yeah. Or Eric Dixon can keep getting guys to uh, – Eric Dixon should resolve to keep getting guys – to uh, jump the lane. He might set a record this year. It might happen. Oh my God. Absurd. Absurd. Lane yeah. violation drawn. It should be like a, a statistic. And Eric Dixon, I mean, the, the, the coaches on the other teams are going to complain to the officials at some point, right? This is like an, this is like an Andy Pettit pickoff move situation from like, it's back like every day, game. Yeah. Where he's like on the border of up faking on, on the free throws. <laughs> he's like right on the edge of up faking. He comes up and he doesn't come down. But it's yeah. like, you know, it's a pitcher. It's a pitcher with a good yeah, yeah. Move that like, you know, did the leg cross, did the leg cross the other leg? Cause if the leg crossed the other leg, then it's a balk. And so uh, the, Dixon is close on this and, you know, I, you know, he should probably resolve to stay exactly where he is, but if he goes a step further, this we're going to get complaints from in the league and then refs are not going to call it or they're going to whistle Dixon. Um, yeah. So that's true. Yeah, that's true um all right well let's keep moving it along uh we haven't done this segment in a while let's bring it back it's a week we've got to do it the heart monitor yeah i we mean gotta do it. we gotta do it wow and we've got to start with the lead if you haven't seen it you need to go see it sadiq bay's overtime game winner against the spurs i think he had four hands in his face 
somehow gets this Hail Mary shot up from, it wasn't a Hail Mary shot, but it was a ridiculous shot from the corner, buries this three. I mean, look, an overtime game winner is something that most players never get in their career. So for him to get it so early on is phenomenal. And it's just like capping off what's been a a great run for him. His last eight games, listen to these, these point totals. 28, 23, 26, 15, 23, 23, 32, 21, just getting buckets. Hell Hell of a run. run. Not the most efficient, but like he's getting buckets. He's proving himself to be an NBA player. He's going to get a payday when that rookie contract's over for sure. So like, that's, that's awesome. And oh my God, dude is just so fit. Like good, good Lord. It's, it's unreal. Um, I just think on that one play that you're referring to is game winner. I got to just throw a little bit of credit to the pass with with that basically nutmeg the Spurs defender. So that was incredible. It was just wild to see that happen. Um, So, so I agree. I'm going to bring up the McHale proposal. If you haven't seen it, Mm. Um, he helped somebody propose. And I've always wondered, like, do people say no in those circumstances? Like not in the moment. Not in the moment. Do they say no after the fact? Because, you know, social pressures, et cetera, it's kind of a faux pas to say no in that moment. But does, does, does somebody ever renege after the fact? Like, look, you put me in this position. I said yes to please the crowd, but, you know, I'm not in. I'm not. I'm, I'm, not I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it's happened. That's what, that's what my wife did. Yeah. Obviously, Mikhail with this huge payday is, is doing quite well as well and has been doing quite well this whole season. I saw something the other day where someone plotted out and he basically has been the best defender in the league this year. It's pretty awesome. Um, so key component defensively for the Suns. Um, so keep an eye out. I expect Mikhail to make first team all defensive NBA. So Woo, yeah. big, big. Yeah, he, he's that good. He's that good. That's interesting. I, I, I don't know if he'll make that, but we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, um, last guy we'll highlight here. Um, the usual Jalen Brunson, he's averaging 16 points a game this year. Obviously, it's a career high. Similar to Bay, last eight games or so, 25, 18, 28, 19, 27, 14, 25, 23, just absolutely putting up buckets, which was not what he was known for coming into the league and certainly at the start of his career. But as the Mavs have struggled and some of their key components have been hurt and or struggled, he's absolutely picked up the scoring Totally key components have been hurt, i.e. Luka Doncic. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) some of their all NBA players. (laughs) Some of their big players, you know. (laughs) You may have heard of him. Um, It's a a totally fair point. But I mean, look, he's another guy who's totally justifying the small investment that the Mavericks made in him as a a second round pick, the game of four-year contract. So he's absolutely going to get paid when he hits free agency as well. So good on him. All right. Why don't you turn it over to you? You had an interesting question we put out on social media. Yeah. So as a result of COVID and all these, you know, players going down, they've been, they've been calling up players uh, left and right from the G league who have been, who have, you know, maybe semi-retired from Europe, whatever they've been doing to get players into the league so that they can play games and finish games. Cause they don't want to, the NBA is not like college. They don't want to cancel all these games or postpone a lot of these games. They, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of work uh, with the uh, NBA, uh, the the player association, to not have that many back to back. So there's limits on this. So there's a heavy incentive for the NBA to not cancel games. As a result of that, they've been play, calling these players up. I posed the question: 
who is the best active player right now um, who is not currently Nova player, who is not currently on an NBA roster? We got a bunch of good answers. I want to give a couple of parameters here. Um, so players, some players not included um, in this list. Dante Cunningham, he's either done with his career or he's very close. I'm not including him because I think he's he might be done. Um, Alan Ray and Randy Foy are both, to our knowledge, fully retired. Um, Malik Waynes, Darty are coaching, so they're out. Uh, Javon Pinkston, to our knowledge, is not playing. Um, and anybody who didn't finish their their basketball playing career at Nova is not included. So, like, you know, random guys like Isaiah Armwood who transferred, Quinterly who transferred, like, whatever, not included. Um, so Rob and I came up with a population of players who would be included on this list. And the list is as follows. Scotty Reynolds, Corey Fisher, James Bell, Muftal Yaru, Darren Hilliard, Ryan Archidiakono, Daniel Ochefu, Chris Jenkins, Omari Spellman, Phil Booth. I'm actually not sure Chris is actually playing, but you can't not include Chris Jenkins in this. So we did. So Rob, I'll pose it to you. Who are the guys that you would bring up into the league? Uh, do you have multiple? Do you have one? But obviously pick the best. But who's who of that group, who are you picking from? Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of ones that stand out right at the jump. Obviously, Arch was just in the league last year and was on an NBA team. So that's one that stands out right away. Um, Omari is a guy, obviously, very recently in the league, um, still playing over in, in Asia with uh, Shefnan, the same team, same league, I believe, though. Um, but is a guy, obviously, especially with the think about the direction the NBA has moved, certainly his game and skill set fits pretty well there. A couple other guys, though, who I, I like that stand out, and I'll, I'll give you an answer on, on kind of one eventually, but a couple of the other guys that stand out. Phil Booth is a guy who I still like. Um, if I think about his game, his skill set, his size could still kind of plug in, I think, give you a few minutes. Um, and Darren Hilliard's another guy who, you know, if I think about the NBA game, high value on shooting. Maybe I don't need somebody who's the quickest off the dribble at this point, but he can still, he still can still move a little bit um, and was obviously in the league for a couple years as well, too. So those are some of the guys that stand out to me. If I'm picking one, if I'm picking one to give me maybe 10 minutes a game or something like that, I'm giving my nod to Omari. I think the skill set's still there. Obviously, the conditioning was one of the biggest issues with Omari in terms of him having sticking around in the league. But again, if I'm solving for like, hey, I've just got 10, 15 minutes I got to fill, I think I could plug Omari back in there. So I think that's my one answer. But but Darren's, Darren's the one that I'd, I'd kind of go to next, perhaps, is an yeah. int more interesting pick. Yeah. So we have a, a, a wide range of people who, uh, who, called, who called people out um, on, on Twitter. Um, you know, someone said, I don't care if he's 85, but Scotty Reynolds is, 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 is my pick. Look, if this was eight years ago, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, Scotty was incredible. First team all American his senior year in 2010. Um, and I believe at the time had the dubious honor of being the only first team all American who didn't get drafted. Um, so, so to me, that was, which has later been replaced with also been included Marcus Howard and, uh, Miles Powell, but, um, I, I do think that Scotty should have been should have been in the league for a little bit of time. Obviously, he's, there's an athleticism question there, but my God, he's crafty, and my God, he could shoot the ball. So I, I didn't, you know, two thousand plus point score. I get that notion. Uh, a lot of people have been pointing out Hilliard. 
Um, and I really like that pick. Uh, Darren got drafted um, number 33, I believe, uh, in his after his senior year uh, and just couldn't hang, couldn't stick in the league. He's been playing overseas ever since um, and has done very well for himself and has been a great basketball player overseas. I think that's a really good pick. Uh, the other the other guy, and you called it out, I mean, Arch obviously had recently played in the league. So I actually wouldn't be surprised to see Arch get called up at some point in time. Uh, Phil Booth is one that I that you said that I kind of am, am, am with you on in that Phil, was always, Phil can jump, he can dunk, he can, he's, he's athletic, he can make shots, um, he can fill the bucket up, he plays hard defensively. Um, I just don't – I'm not sure I get – and he can pass the ball. He's got good court vision. So I'm not sure why Booth isn't someone who, who get called up. He's in the G League, um, so he might get called up sometime soon. But I, Phil Booth might be my pick. Um, I actually created this question because of Phil Booth because it was his birthday a couple of days ago. And so I said, no, this is a good question because of Phil. So I, Phil is my pick. All right. I like it. Fair enough. We'll see. Hopefully – Hopefully one of these guys gets called up. Be nice to see. And Brian, I think Phil was your pick too, right? Brian, he's Brian. doing he, he's doing his New Year's resolution. He's doing. Sorry, worse. I was I was he's doing he's doing yeah, worse. I mean, Do yeah. worse. Phil Booth is the answer um, to almost <laughs> all questions. He's my favorite Villanova in, but I do think you know, given what Chris just said, um, he fits the best. Rob, I think your Omari point was really good from from a plug and play standpoint. Um, but, but to me, it's Phil. All right. All right. Like let's it. keep moving along. We're getting a little long in the tooth already. Um, unless there's anything else you want to hit on that, Chris. No, no. Uh, let's do a national reaction here. A little bit of a national swing around here. Um, so right now, the winner of college basketball, the best team in college basketball is this team called COVID. Um, and they're just absolutely crushing teams left and right. <laughs> absolutely undefeated um, in crushing teams left and right. Uh, but in all seriousness, Baylor has turned out to be very good. Um, you know, so Baylor goes and wins the national championship last year. Um, the football team just won their bowl game last night. And now they are the number one team in the country in college basketball. And they beat Iowa State yesterday at Iowa State, who is a top 10 team. So really good. I, I'm not sure I see where Baylor is going to lose other than maybe at Allen Fieldhouse. Um this year but it's they're incredible they are absolutely incredible they look good and you mentioned Allen Fieldhouse Kansas now up to 11 and 1 I think they're like number six or something like that so they're chugging along rest of the top five also chugging along Duke's postponed a couple games I think but Purdue 12 and 1 so um yeah I mean the teams that we played that were good have continued to look good so I I guess that's good our losses are are still good a few big east teams were in the top 25 this week seton hall providence xavier probably going to lose seton hall because they lost both their games this week xavier actually probably will drop out as well too considering we beat them uh or no i guess that was a no that was before sorry so it's days of learning together so yeah i guess they'll stick around um providence is going to climb way up uh they'll be the highest ranked big east team they absolutely Weird. obliterated the ball to paul which i mean it's not the big a deal but they won it in chicago so that's good yeah um, and they beat seton hall earlier in the week so um providence is going to be top 15 probably if do I you guess. do you buy the providence traction I, we we talked about this with uh with john a little bit when he was on John John's high on Providence right now. I, 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 I'm kind of bought in. I'm not, I, 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 look, I think they're going to have a swoon. 
Um, but but I'm kind of bought in, and so yeah, I, I'm I'm buying them. I'm buying. Okay. Them. I'm I'm I'm, a skeptic, I'm not sure I'm so. buying stock for them to continue to jump into the top ten. That would be I'm like in a hold strategy. I think they're rated. They're not. They're rated. Okay. They're rated. Not overrated. <laughs> not underrated. Fair top, enough. Top twenty enough. team is what I think Providence is. Fair enough. Um, cool. Yeah, Seton Hall off to a rough start in the Big East. Oh, and I mean rough starts. Oh, oh, and two, two losses this week. But again, they're short, a little bit short-handed at the moment. So I'm sure they'll write that ship. Not I give Seton Hall a pass. Give Seton Hall yeah. a pass. Big Seton yeah. Hall guy here. Yeah. Quick note, uh, DePaul. Uh, <laughs> yeah, back really, to, to being, being DePaul. Really shaking off that early season momentum pretty quickly. <laughs> Just getting stomped by Providence 0 and 2. But anyway. Creighton, though, I will give credit to uh Greg McDermott has these guys playing well. These are almost like a, a team of whole new group of people. And he's got 2 and 0 in the Big East. Uh and yeah, I respect Creighton for what they're doing so far this year. They might be playing their way into an NCAA tournament bid. It's true. And it's a good segue into our next game, which is against Creighton. Creighton. We got a chance to get him back. We talked earlier in the season when we were going through this with um, State of the Nova Nation podcast, how a lot of the games are close together. We're playing the same team twice, very close together. So we, if you feel like we just played Creighton, we did. <laughs> we just yeah. played them. <laughs> so we get our opportunity at revenge in the pavilion right away. Um, coming uh, coming uh, on Wednesday. Wednesday. Fifth. Um, so, so we get them. And, and that's an opportunity to get back and get right. Ken Palm has us winning by 10 in this game, an 80% chance to win. Um, so, so I, I do like us in this game. Um, we just saw them. I'm not going to do a big preview on like who their players are. I think we kind of know just saw who, it. Yeah. Who their players are. Um, so we just saw them. I think we get right. Our shooting was terrible in that game. We couldn't get out on the three-point line. Jay's going to correct these errors. He's already started to correct these errors. If we put in forth the same effort that we did in the second half versus Xavier and all game versus Seton Hall, I don't think we're going to have trouble beating Creighton at home. Wow. I don't know if I'll go, go so far as to say won't have trouble. I think this. I think we get a win here, but I think this is like a three, maybe four-point win. Maybe it stretches to five or six just because of free throws at the end of the game, but I think this is going to be a hard-fought battle. Creighton now knows very clearly that they can play with us and they can beat us. A 10-point win predicted by Ken Pop. I know that's really just numbers-based, but that to me seems far-fetched based on what we saw just two games ago. It was two games for us. They've played one game since they played us before. These guys are going to be playing with some confidence. They're definitely going to be playing with some confidence. I think they might be feeling themselves after their emotional win versus Marquette yesterday and beating us keeping it closed versus Arizona state beating BYU. This team has good wins. Yeah. They're down. They, they're, they're, they're ready for a gut check. And I think we're going to provide that gut check in the pavilion um, on Wednesday. So I, I have us actually winning this game by 10. I'm going to go with uh, Ken wow. Palm's okay. margin. Yeah. Right. And I think it's going to be a 10. That's actually going to be like, you know, between eight and 12. I don't think it's going to be yeah. a free like throw. A, a real to 10. 10. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be a real 10. Um, and so I, he has this game, uh, us winning 70 to 60. So a slow paced game. Uh, I think that's about right. I actually, I'm just going to stick with Ken Palm's answer on this. I think we're going to win 70 to 60 in this game. Okay. Fair enough. Um, all right. Last one. We alluded to it. The other game next week for us is DePaul. DePaul is hot or not. They are not hot. Like we said, Oh, and two to start the big East play coming after 
a pretty nice run out of conference where they won a bunch of nothing games. They've got a couple interesting players to watch. Javon Freeman, Liberty. Awesome. Awesome name. Very redundant name. Very redundant. (laughs) A little little bit redundant, but really cool name. I want every listener of this podcast when, when Freeman Liberty plays, when we play against Freeman Liberty to just think to themselves, man, that guy's got a redundant name. (laughs) I just like, I I just want to drill that home. Just a redundant name. Oh my gosh. Um, Maybe the crowd can chant that one, but anyway, (laughs) (laughs) you're redundant. Uh, Anyway, uh, 20 points a game from Freeman Liberty. He's their leading scorer. One of the leading scorers in the big East, if not the leading scorer, six foot four senior guard knows what he's doing. He's transfer from Valpo. Uh, Another guy, David Jones is their second leading scorer. Not as cool of a name. Also not a redundant name. Uh, six foot six forward, averaging 16 points a game. Big jump up from last year where he averaged five points a game. Put up 33 points against Louisville. So between these two guys, you're averaging 38 and 16, which is like amazing. Um, if we can slow them down, though, we should be fine. I'm sure we'll find a way to. I'm not all that all that concerned about it, but I think matchups to watch, Colin versus Liberty, just you know, two of yeah. their best players, basically. So. Who is your projection for the alpha? Like, who do you think is the, is the alpha dog next this week, next time? Like, who's going to be, are these games, is there a particular player you're like, that's the guy who is going to make the difference in this, in this week? Mm, interesting question. Um, I'm going to go with not Slater. I think Slater is going to will come a little bit, a little bit back down to earth. I think I liked what I saw. Ugh. I think it's going to be an uninteresting pick. I was going to go. I liked what I saw with Justin last game. I think he started breaking it out, getting a little bit more aggressive, but I think I'm just going to go with the old easy pick and just go with Colin. I think Colin's going to start to write the ship a little bit and maybe we see a little bit more. So I think we're sitting here a week from now saying, yeah, yeah, it's Colin Gillespie. He's a good player. He's uh, the biggest <laughs> player of the year. Um, yeah. That's my pick. What um, do you think? More. I'm actually going to go with more um, yeah. this week. Um, so uh, also another, I, I toggled with Samuels and Slater, mm. um, but I just don't see Samuels has to hit threes to, in my mind to, to jump back to that level. Yeah. Um, and if he's not even shooting them, um, then, 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 then he's not that guy. Like I appreciate that. He's great rebounder that he's, um, he's getting to the cup a little bit more, but you know, he's got to, yeah. he's got to shoot the ball. So, so I, I can't, he might do that this week. I can't predict that because there's been no evidence to say, to say that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, X factor. I'm going to go with Antoine off the bench though. I think Antoine can like make that. a difference in this, in the, in the Creighton game in particular, we were missing speed on closeouts and crate against Creighton. And I think that could be a difference maker um, in, in the Creighton game. So that's, that's an X factor, not an alpha, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. an X factor. I like that. Um, in terms of score prediction versus DePaul, I am. So we have, uh, let's see, what does Ken Palm have it? Ken Palm has us winning by eight at DePaul. Um, I think we're going to win by 12, 13 points. Um, and I'm going to go with 75 to 62 in that game. Yeah. I'm going to go 80 to 68. I like it. I like yeah. it. All righty. That's all we got. That's all we got for this week's edition of the full 40. Um, we are going to try and get back on our weekly schedule now that we're past the holidays. So obviously COVID can, can break that up, but we're going to try and go and get back to our schedule of releasing on Sunday nights or Monday mornings so that you can enjoy on your commute 
or whatever you're doing to get ready in the morning if you're working from home. Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of our, our goal, uh, for the, uh, next for the biggie schedule, basically. So we're, we're fully into it. We're fully in the biggie schedule now. Um, and lot to, lot to look forward to. Hey, good stuff. All right. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. And as always, let's go Nova. <laughs>